0: Hi, this is Ivan Castel, and you're listening to Paradise Arcade.
1: The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. listening to The Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. Welcome to another episode of The Paradise Arcade. This week, we have a very special guest, Ivan Castell, director of The Rise of the Synths. How are you doing, Ivan?
0: I'm pretty good, thank you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. All right, so this episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I don't have my co-host or any of my other uh, friends along due to the, um, the time delay Uh, with us. I wasn't able to get anyone lined up, so that's unfortunate, but I think we're going to have a great episode. Regardless, uh, I am very excited to talk to you, Ivan. Um, Obviously, there's a lot that's gone on with you, with your film, obviously, and I think a lot of things around the culture. Before we get into the episode, please, as always, uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, You can reach out to us there, also our website, theparadisearcade.com. Check it out. Just revitalize that a little bit. And then you can find our podcast on all platforms. So Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. So now moving on, Ivan. uh, It's been really exciting. You finally got your movie released on physical media, uh, and that's out into the world now. How does that feel?
0: Uh, It feels Pretty great, actually. It's been a long journey to get that film released, and um, it, it's just good, man, to uh, to see that so many people are watching the film and receiving the feedback, and people liking it or not liking it, whatever they feel uh, <laughs> about the film, and that's 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 okay with me. Uh, but it's it's, it's it's great so far. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's good, it's great, great feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost five years in the making to get to this point is that
0: uh actually the first crowdfunding we did it was four years ago in 2016 but actually i started working on the film like probably two years before that so it's been like six years now that i think of
1: that's wow yeah (laughs) i have to commend you because that's a lot of um emotional, actual energy to carry something along for so long. I mean, wow, six, you know, six years in the making is a long time to uh, care for something and to make sure that it gets into the world. So that's amazing. Um, I'm curious to know uh, why, why make this particular film? What caught your attention about Synthwave?
0: Okay. Um, It was basically by accident, so I I was not really looking into because my previous film was already about artists and musicians. And I, I remember when I finished my previous film, I said to myself, "I will never again do another documentary and (laughs) never again about music." And here we are right now. So (laughs) that didn't happen. So. What actually happened is that I was um, working on a screenplay for a feature film that I wanted to do. And a friend of mine um, that I had, he's a photographer, and I did a a video for him uh, to portray his work, and he wanted to to put some music. So I said to him, okay, just send me some tracks of what you would like me to put, and uh, I will do it. And I remember this um, like right 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 now I'm there just six years ago. Yeah and he sent me two YouTube clips um and I clicked the first one and it was titled eighties Stallone Cobreti. And and I I hear this super cheesy 80s synthesizer that kicked in and I hate it. I, <laughs> I didn't like it like it was like Instant um, dislike, I would right. say. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, I was a teenager in the '90s, so um, the synthesizer was the enemy. Wasn't right. that wasn't really cool? You know, guitar was the cool thing. So I was not really educated into synths. So that's why I didn't uh, like probably the first time that, that I heard the track. And I see uh, that the music was um, synced to uh, footage from the film Cobra from the 80s Yep, and that really caught my eyes because i was like okay i don't understand this is this is music from the 80s actually because it doesn't really sound like that and or this is some kind of um new music and but i didn't pay too much attention to that at that moment so i i closed the window and i said to my friend okay you're crazy this is i don't know what you just sent me and i forgot about that but um some weeks later I was still working on that screenplay I told you about and um, I wanted to, um, to change the mood and uh, because I always write with, um, with music yeah create some mood and I don't know why I just came back to that music and that video and I start playing it and I start listening to the um, related videos and that's when I discovered come um uh, Droid Bishop, Carpenter Brut, uh, a lot of funky names that didn't understand what I was just sure. getting into. And, um, and I, I, I remember that I went into the um, comments to see what was this music. And I remember that all the people were talking about how this music was amazing. How did, did this, this music change her life? and that it meant a lot. And I was like, OK, these guys are really overreacting. But I kept scrolling and scrolling. And, and, and it, it, I remember it was repeating itself on every video I was watching. So I, I kind of understand at that moment that, OK, this is like a huge thing that's happening in the underground. And I don't know what it is, but it is really interesting. So it wasn't really like me like uh, falling in love with the music instantly, like the opposite. But it was really the sense of the community and how much emotion this music um creates some people that really caught my attention and also the scale of it it was really huge uh, not if you see just one single video that's really small but if you see as a whole back in those times uh some of these videos w- were having much more uh, place than any some videos that you would f- feature on pitch for media and stuff like that right. that was really interesting
1: yeah, that's crazy. Um and I, I think you hit on something that I, I find that's it's actually common to my own story is that um I initially didn't really get synthwave. Uh I think we're similar age, so um I've always loved electronic music though. Uh and so people gave me a few like you know, like wave shaper and stuff like that, and I didn't initially get it. Um and it wasn't until I saw um, Com Truise's uh, "Broken Date" video—that it really uh, kind of all clicked together for me. Like, oh, okay, I, I kind of s- I see exactly what it is because it's not just the music; it's the the right. visual aesthetic, it's the mood, and then it really led me to the portal. So the two bands for myself were Com Truise and Perturbator, and that led me into the rest of it. <clears throat> so... Yeah,
0: it's, it, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting because I think um, one thing that's really um maybe unique with Synthwave. I mean, every, every music and subculture have its own uh, uh, iconography and visuals, style and etc. But Synthwave, the, the way the aesthetics works is like it's half and a half. It's just not the music alone can, can work. But once you put it with the visuals, then as you said, it makes sense. And it happens like in a moment. Yeah. You, you, you can, you you are because I remember it happens to me. I was not getting into it, and by the third music video I was playing, I was getting into it. And I remember I was like, okay, I'm getting, I understand, I'm understanding this music, and this is this is amazing because I'm feeling things, and that didn't happen to me like in a long time ago with any other music.
1: Yeah. I was really bored, to be honest with you. I really was bored of of music <laughs> in a general sense. You get, to, I think, yeah. it's a weird thing. I think you get to a certain age, because I, I I was reading this thing that basically like by the time you hit fifteen, you've kind of peaked at your musical curiosity, and then from that point it kind of <clears> settles. You always like the music that you liked when you were a teenager, and so that by the time I'm in my thirties you know there just wasn't I didn't understand a lot of what was going on with popular music and and you know I liked some throwback bands and everything that I you know all the other things that I liked were gone or or maybe are less inspired at this point because it's 10 15 years down the road in their careers and the the interest for me was it was I hadn't felt that kind of passion for music in a long time and synthwave really sparked that and then the other thing that you you touched on was the community i've consistently had some of the best interactions and friendships through this community and that's another thing that's really i think set it apart for me because i you know i grew up a metalhead so um not quite the same um sense of of community and, and interaction and positivity of like you know there's just all this experimentation within the frame of synthesizers and I find it really just good. You instantly know, like I think if, you know, you have any interactions with like normal people, if you will, outside of the synthwave world. But if you talk about you like certain movies, you instantly get like a, a frame of mind, like you share a frame of mind or a visual thing with that person. And you, you know, you get it like, okay, we, we could be friends because we we're seeing things the same way. We feel things the same way. Things had the same kind of impact. And I feel like collectively synthwave does that
0: yeah I, I totally understand you because i come on from also from uh, from metal and grunge in the 90s so i kind of i kind of have the feeling that i uh, i missed like 10 years of music because i really didn't you know i wasn't really interested in that music like you said so and i discovered synthwave just and and that bring me like okay music can give me feelings again and that's that's something I was not used to. So um, I, I think you are absolutely right. And and about the community, yeah absolutely. I mean synthwave subculture is is like a magnet for um, nostalgia. Yeah. And that that create like a, that that creates a frame for a conversation. So uh, you're not like it's not really about the 80s people pay too much attention about you know the fact that it's about the 80s and i don't think this is just about the 80s the no 80s is just how is how it started yeah exactly but it's about it's 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 a frame to talk about how you felt in another time yeah and that's very universal i mean you can find interesting i don't know in metal bands um in the 80s or um some b movies bad ones in the 90s or um i don't know tv shows in the late 70s so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a universal you 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 instantly can find something you can connect with other people so it's just it's i think this music creates yeah connection the 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 ability to to connect with other people and make it i don't know maybe maybe life easier. I don't know (laughs) if that makes any sense.
1: Well, I think it's a, the rise of this music is perfect in correlation with the rise of loneliness, uh, because technology, you know, the promise of technology, the internet was you get to be connected with anyone in the world at any point in time, stay connected, Facebook, know your friends, know what they're doing at all times. And you know, what's been shown is that the more connected you are to social media and the internet, the more lonely you are. Um, and there's, you know, there's studies going on with the effect of social media and social media addiction and things of that nature, and, and the rise of loneliness. Uh, so it's a great iron to, irony to me that, you know, as we've become more connected, we've become more disconnected from meaningful relationships. And I think what synthwave has helped do is is give a center point to a, a profound emotion, nostalgia, a, a happier time, a simpler time and then start relationships off or conversations off from a common sense of connection and feeling safe or good or better, better times, if you will, even though, you know, the eighties in reality were terrible, you know, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, fun- the funny thing is, you know, like a lot of the kids that you know, were born in the nineties and that kind of thing talking about how they missed that decade. Like I was alive in the eighties. That was not, it was not that great. You know. No, me too. I was, I was also. <laughs> <laughs> I was born
0: in seventy-seven, so, um, so I know a little bit how the eighties were. That, that I mean, yeah. there was stuff that was really, really nice, you know. But uh, it's kind of mythified. I, I have this, I have the feeling that people who are younger now look at the eighties the way I was looking at the seventies when I was their age. You know, in the in the nineties. Yeah. the 90s. the cool thing to hear was, let's say, Berlin or Jimi Hendrix and stuff from the late 60s and early 70s, so 20 years before that. So it's kind of the same thing right now, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you you mythify things, an era you didn't live. But, you know, that's the beauty of mythification, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can make your own thing and it doesn't have to be uh, the way it was. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a reimagining of a time, and it really glosses over the realities. and And I I totally relate to what you're saying as far as like looking back in this. You know, I grew up on '70s movies and TV shows from the yeah. '60s and things of that nature, and it and it paints a very uh, specific image of that time, which you know in reality it really wasn't like that. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. so uh, yeah, '80s movies because I think media is so ubiquitous from the eighties. We have more of it because, you know, the advent of VHS tapes where you can spread media across the world, the initial parts of globalization, satellite, television, cable, television, where you're able to broadcast a, uh, a culture essentially uh, all around the world. And everyone is able to interact with it, you know, roughly the same time, because, you know, if you talk about world war II, the seventies, a lot of films and things were delayed. You know, it would be years before something would hit an Asian market or something from Asia would hit, you know, the Western market. So, you know, with almost instantaneous transmission of of this culture, and it's so much of it because cable, they're trying to fill as much time as possible and not have dead space. So you're just creating content and there's this freewheeling um almost carefree attitude of like, we don't care what you make, just make it and put it on the air. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? That's what, you know, you think about all the bad movies from the eighties, you know, they're, they're charming certainly now. Um, And you kind of, but you didn't know any better then, especially if you're younger, you're a teenager, you just didn't care. It was just content. That was cool. Um, So I'd like to move into, you know, the, how how did you determine that you were going to make this movie you you said you didn't want to make any other music documentaries cool. and here we are how did that happen
0: <laughs> to be honest i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, um i remember that when i discovered this music and i was um i was not really thinking about making a film i was just enjoying discovering this music and all the old movies and but mainly the the music i was listening to a lot of music and i remember that um after the first month of um discovering this music i remember i stopped um listening to any other music i was listening to and basically i was just listening to Simway. and that was like when i realized that it's like uh, okay uh, this obsession is kind of, I don't understand that. Because I I wasn't supposed to like this music. It was the opposite of what I was supposed to like. But I was liking it. So I, I was really um, interested in that, in that aspect. And one of the things that was also very interesting is that um, a synthwave is mainly instrumental. It really helped me um, create. Um, image in my mind, so I was writing stuff and screenplays and, and thinking about movies, blah blah, with, with that music in the background, and I just started organically sharing it with my closest friends, who are also filmmakers, and that's when I um, see things happening because a lot of them were like, "This is this is horrible! I don't like this music. Why, <laughs> are, you, you know, why yeah. are you sharing this with me?" And so that was the people that uh, didn't get it, and I understand it because I was there like two months ago, and the others were like, "Wow, this is amazing! How? Um, what is this music? I, I, this is like a drug! I can't stop listening to this. Please uh, let me know where I can find more music." And I started, you know, seeing a lot of because that friend sent this music to another friend who were also into filmmaking. And this music and the message keep sharing to uh, to the next one. And that's when I understood that there was something really interesting about this music because the people who get it passes the message to the next one. Yep. So that's... And, and, and you cannot stop listening to this music. So, um, when I got this um, feeling of, okay, this is much bigger than I thought in terms of the emotion it creates in me and my friends and people who understand you know the 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 opinion and the charm of all movies uh, i also started to really look into numbers okay and okay this this music is really huge like in the underground it's really niche but it's a, it's a small group of people in a in the but in a lot of different countries so if you see it from worldwide it's not a small thing, it's a big thing, but in really small fragments, which, um, started to, uh, um, interest me as, um, as narrative, as a narrative for a, for a film. And I started googling these people who, uh, I remember I was looking into Miami Night's 1984. Who is this guy? And yeah. I, nothing came up. I, we are talking about 2015, 2016. So there was like literally nothing. No, I don't know, maybe a banca, but no photo, no, no, nothing. And I remember on Googling another another band like um, Dance with the Dead and Perturbator and Carpenter Boots and stuff like that, and nothing came up. And that's when that really intrigued me like, okay, are these people not taking it very seriously? And this is like, a side project and they are just uploading this into the internet without just just for the fun of it or they are really hiding their identity for something like you know uh putting the music first like in a very punk attitude mm-hmm. and that's when i started uh, emailing some of them like okay i'm a filmmaker from spain uh, <laughs> this is gonna be weird but i'm thinking about making maybe a film about that uh, would you be up to and some of them started answering me, and that's when, you know, uh, this started, and here we are right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It <laughs> So it, it kind of feels a little, at least in the initial parts of it, kind of just a very organic interest in understanding these people and where they, their motivations, maybe, and who they are. And, and how did you, how did you get to the narrative in between the interviews, you know, there's the interstitial hmm. story in the background of the film. Um, how did that come about?
0: The Synth writer stuff, um, it wasn't really supposed to be on the film, actually. <laughs> we did that uh, for the crowdfunding campaign. Because one of the things when we were um, pitching the film to film producers, um, when we go like okay we are going to do a film about um, some guys that do music based in the 80s people were just like disconnected that you, you <laughs> would feel like directly you know <laughs> so I was like okay we need to um to came up with something that um got people attention and that's when I thought about making this character who was like the metaphor of um of a time traveler who uh, was um, protecting like the legacy of the old sounds and bringing it to the new um, audience. And I just came up with this idea with the Synth Rider who was time traveling at DeLorean. And uh, we did the crowdfunding teaser and it worked so well that I decided to put that in the movie. And it became like the the metaphor of scene wave in itself so that's basically how it came out by yeah, it, surprise
1: <laughs> it, it sounds like a very organic way of, of it coming about
0: yeah one, one of the things that's interesting about making this movie is that i mean when you do documentaries you never know well, what will came out because you think that these people is gonna be super interesting and you go to his place and then he, no, it's not really that interesting. No, nothing came really interesting. But on the other side, this other character you didn't know about, uh, or you didn't think is he's going to be so interesting, said something that you didn't really think about. And that becomes like a huge thing that you need to explore in the next interview. So that's happened with, in the almost four years of making the movie, a lot of things changing along on the way, And uh, some, some themes I was, not really interested, uh, but a lot of people told about that in the interviews. And I was like, OK, I have to make something about that. Um, so it really was very organic. In I, I was making the film while I was making the film. Right. While the, the the scene was also evolving. So it was really a challenge for me, because when did you stop making the film? You know, When, right. when is the time to stop? Because it, it never stopped evolving.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, it, it, it just sounds like you had uh, so many threads to pull on as you were making it and so many interesting points or questions being asked and you really had to balance, well, what's what's the narrative that I have to focus on to get this yeah. thing done? Mm-hmm. But then there's all these other questions. There's all these other things that come up and it's it really shows how complex and i think that's one of the things i think is interesting that i try to explain to people who maybe are not into synthwave or or try to to get people to understand it's like as you're saying before like the 80s thing is just a it's a a frame to which you hang all these other things on and there's all the, all these other complex and interesting things that it touches upon, but then the you know, it it's all framed around eighties music, culture, whatever it is, um, and what that can mean is so different from person to person. And yet there's these through lines, it sounds like that you've discovered between uh interview people that they're talking about a common experience or a common thought process.
0: Yeah. One, one of the things that um, was really interesting when I was making the interviews is that um, I wasn't really interested, you know, in the music kind of aspect, you know, the, the making music aspect of it. There's a lot of other documentaries who talk uh, much better about how do you make these sounds and how do you work with synthesizers and, modular synthesizers and all the techniques behind that. I was not really interested in that. I was really interested in the why are you making this music on an emotional level? Because it doesn't make any sense to me. Not the retro aspect of things, because the retro there was there was always gonna be people looking back into another music or another yeah. culture, and films, uh, whatever is your art- artistic uh, thing. There was gonna be always people who are gonna do that, um, but I was really in the moment where I was um, developing the film, the 80s were just these things that was really uncool, like a thing to forget. And I was like, okay, these people, why are you making music that is supposed to be laughable? Of What is that you find so interesting to, you know, make a career or make a lot of albums and release it out of that? what is a connection for you what happens inside you and that's that's basically the main theme of the of the movie you know trying to um, to to get this emotion out of all these different people around the world which that sounds really um massive but in the end it's just people connecting to something and old and making something new out of it and connecting to other people while you are just making music alone in your bedroom. And that's yeah. really something that's yeah. really interesting. I don't know if I <laughs> I've answered your question.
1: <laughs> well, there, there is no wrong or right <laughs> answer to that. It's just however you feel about it. Uh, moving on into, um, I think, you know, one of the big features of the movie is John Carpenter. How how did that come about?
0: <laughs> um, I don't know to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was um started to researching about this music and talking about it um, with the composers, um, not making the interview themselves, just you know via emails and some skypes trying to um, to get an idea of what were their influences. Most of the time, they, they always came up with um, some very common names, um, like Vangelis, George Moroder Tangerine Dream, and John Carpenter.
1: Yeah.
0: This is basically, some mother will, will, will talk about Johnny Sergiar um, and, and other people, but basically there were like these four people. But always, the, the one that always, always, always was there in every single conversation was John Carpenter and that really hit me because as a filmmaker, I obviously look up to John Carpenter because I, yeah. I like his, his movies and I know his career, but I never thought about him as being so influential in the music aspect of things. For me, it was just this filmmaker who made his own soundtrack because it was cheap and it worked for him. But I I quickly understood that this was something different for all these people who were not into filmmaking, who were into music. So when I thought about um, having someone who should narrate this movie, I always thought about John Carpenter to be the one that, the one that should be ideal to do it, and uh, we just sent him an email through his agent, and um, and he was interested. And um, basically, it when We have um, for four years, you know, uh, updating him and his team on um, how the film was was being made and the advances and um just basically telling his team that the film was for real and and that the thing we talked about four years ago was was ha- finally happening but he always was uh interested in, in doing it and i'm super grateful about that because i it's really rare that he does stuff like that
1: yeah um, very rare
0: yeah so i'm um, i i do not know i think we um I think that they, I don't know how to explain. I think we have like a magical connection with a lot of things in this movie, and one of them is having John Carpenter on the movie. Yeah, um, that's really <laughs> amazing.
1: Yeah, you know what I found, and in, and in, in here's the thing. So um, this show, you know, the version where we're at now and what we're doing now, as far as is what what I do it, it is not on purpose uh we you know my co-host and i we kind of fell into this we've liked we always liked synthwave music but it wasn't uh the focal point of the show and Mm -hmm. i think you know we've interviewed you know filmmakers and and you know people in, in all sorts of various um careers and interesting things and you know people that you know, work for really big name artists and, and models and et cetera and so on. Uh, but the the audience that was the always the most receptive was the Synthwave audience. And the artists, the people that were involved specifically with this kind of thing, were always the most gracious and um, interactive. I've always had the best luck reaching out to Synthwave people. I You know, it, it just, I'm always surprised the people that give... Me the time of day, um, for interviews and, and being on the show, and I, and I think there's this. I don't know. There's a a more a much more willingness to connect to other people, regardless of maybe status or ability or you know whatnot. And I, I think you know, I don't know if it's like a a thing that maybe John has unknowingly passed down to everybody else in the scene, but you know, gracious is really. Kind of the word that comes to mind with John uh, and his involvement with the film, and and being supportive, and then lending his name to it is that's an incredible thing.
0: Yeah, um, <clears throat> I remember that um, when we were uh, shooting in LA with him, I asked him, "Okay, John, why did you accept to do it? Because I know that you don't do this kind of stuff." And he said, I, I decided to do it because this is an unappreciated art, and I just had to do it. Wow. Yeah. So basically, he was, in a way, without really saying it, um, kind of elevating the whole scene. You know, mm-hmm. he's aware of things happening uh, on a certain level, I mean, he's John Carpenter, so uh, right. uh, uh, he's, he's in another world. But he knows that something is uh, is happening with his legacy, and it was a way of, I don't know, um, yeah, elevating the artists and 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 all the people who are, you know, making music uh, inspired by what he did, and um, yeah. So it's very, um, yeah, Gracious is is a great world because. I think
1: he's. Yeah. What, I mean, it's an incredible thing. And I think, you know, having watched the movie, um, it's just really touching to see the, the connection, the, the, you know, basically the, the, the idol or the influencer lending his hand down through and, and giving approval, acknowledgement of, of mm-hmm. everything that, that is happening since what he's done. And, and I've, you know, it's interesting because I've always been, um, you know, a fan of John Carpenter's movies. I grew up with them, you know, so always aware. And it's this interesting thing that I discovered, in, you know, like maybe the 2010s. I, I don't know when he started to tour, but it's like at first I kind of was like shook my head. I'm like, why would why is he touring playing movie themes? But then I got to see him, you know, I got to see him and and uh, his son, Cody, and uh, I I I instantly understood what was happening and the impact of what he was doing live and the fact that he's kind of shifted his career a bit and has found new relevance and new energy with music. And then it also ties directly to this other thing. It's really incredible because you think about imagine a person who's always struggled and done their own thing. And, and he talks about it in your movie of, just kind of making movies the way he wanted to do it and kind of having to ignore the rest of the world and not really seeking approval. And, um, now in your seventies, kind of having this reverence and respect and, uh, a huge uh, inspiration for a, a whole lot of people. So it's really cool that you landed him. Um, and I think it just, it adds again, an air of, of um, I don't want to say legitimacy, but it, it adds something special to your your film and the narrative of it.
0: <clears throat> yeah, um, legitimacy or approval is not what I was looking for. No, I, but I, I'm 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 actually I agree with you because that's what's probably happening or what's one of the things that's behind that. Um, without really um, wanting to wanted this to happen, but. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting with with John Carpenter, if you know a little bit his work, and as you know, because you have talked about it, uh, is that he's a do-it-yourself. He has always been underground um, with this, you know, you don't like what I do, you have fuck-you attitude, you know? Right. With doing it anyway, with maybe I will not be on Hollywood, but I don't care. I will keep doing it because I want these things to happen and I want these things, he said that in the film, I want these things to last. And and I saw this attitude, you know, in a lot of the musicians involved in the scene. And I think the way he does things has influenced a lot of these composers. And I understood that while I was making the movie. As I told you, I always, look at at him as a filmmaker, never as a musician. But while I was making the movie, it perfectly makes sense to me that he was for me he is the personification of yeah, of of or the mood of Sinwave or or the quest or or how do you approach your artistic process.
1: Yeah.
0: And way of life if you are an artist. So for me, um, having him on the film is a blessing because he personifies so many things and he means so many things and he, I don't know, um, having him, um, you know, it's like, I, I don't know how to translate that in English, you know, when you have something, <laughs> you put something, something yeah. really, really sweet on a, you know, on a cupcake or something, you know, yes. it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, that was the yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously, in the course of making this movie, a lot happened within the scene. Because um, hmm. I think what is apparent in in the film is it's that it captures a very specific moment. Uh, I think maybe the the ascendancy of the scene. Um, what have you? Uh, noticed, or w- what are the things that have changed from you know when you made this film initially to now in the scene? What are your your observations?
0: Basically, I mean, it's gonna sound cliche, but he has it has gone very much mainstream, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's just there. It's, it's yeah. in the air of time. I mean, it's it's, it's everywhere, wherever you want it or not. Uh, it's. On advertising is on, and, and I'm not just not talking about music because music was the first thing to to get through mainstream, through um through the Stranger Things score and and, and stuff like that. You know, the the whole let's say 80s nostalgia, but there's a whole all another element which is the, the the aesthetics. You know, the the neon grid, all these kind of things that we associate with synthwave that you see right now just everywhere, even on music videos from artists who are not into even electronic music. But this is like a cool thing now. And that's the main thing that, you know, that, that I think have changed a lot. That was just something that was really niche, that was really into, you know, in a little small group of people who were passionate about it. And now it's out there. Like in even in huge blockbusters movie posters so yep. that was that maybe one of the first aspects like it has really penetrates into um, mainstream. I'm not saying that scene Wave has gone mainstream because it, it hasn't but let's say that the, the aesthetics and the music has penetrated and has, has influenced a lot the whole 80s nostalgia revival that we are like living for the past four years maybe um, a, a lot of the things that um we associate right now and people in their mind associate like with with the 80s revival they are not really seeing an 80s revival. they are seeing scene wave yep which is you know it's not the same thing uh, so yeah you it- know if you if you see i don't know some of the posters of brain um mother tv shows we oh. are, who oh, are absolutely. In...
1: what absolutely and you know what what else i've noticed is like um how it's how it's been reimagined so like one of the things that i see a lot especially in modern horror movies is the um it's like they've taken um a lot of the the 80s opening scenes where like it's a mm-hmm. sweeping over uh, a highway or a scene like john carpenter you know where it kind of sets the mood and tone a lot of mo- modern horror movies do a lot of stuff a24 um, movies you know if it's midsommar or us or whatever it is i think take a lot of direct influence from uh 80s um, cues as far as movies go and pacing and and how they film it uh and so you see it permeate if you will um, a lot of things in a lot of different ways. And some are really overt, like as you're saying, with like stylistically movie posters are are constructed in a particular way that really pay more than an homage kind of taking, you know, directly from. And then, you know, as you're saying with, with um, like Stranger Things. And I think you hit on a really interesting point where you say that what People are, in, are interacting with this, and they think it's '80s, but it's not. It's synthwave, and synthwave is a is a reinterpretation of that culture or the, that media. You know all those things. So people are are thinking, well, this is '80s, and it's really not. It's it's a reimagining, if you will.
0: Well, one of the things that I was um, when I was researching about the movie, um, there was two two kind of people, two attitudes within people in the scene. There was the people who were like um uh, this is just a side B project this this is something small we we do it just for the fun of it. it has to be underground this is not never gonna be you know this huge thing and there was these other people who I call the super positive and super um, um I don't know how to say um they were like, oh this is gonna be huge, this is gonna be mainstream, this is gonna be sim wave everywhere. And I was like, okay, hold on, this is not what usually happens, you know, it's something in between. Mm-hmm. Um but I always felt like this subculture was big enough and had these all ramifications that were not just music, because it had it hit it also filmmaking. Aesthetics, graphic mm-hmm. design—yeah, um, there's so many things. It had the uh, the ability to penetrate, you know, and create something that was much bigger than what these people think they were doing in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if you see Sinwave, um from the very start in MySpace days, uh, and we are where we are right now. Um, I think we have gone a long way, and I don't. I I always have this feeling that, and some of the people who I have uh, I have interviewed and who who were originators from the MySpace era, they told me about that. Like, I don't know what happened. I was just making music that I like, um, and with some graphic design inspired in things that I liked when I was a kid, and I don't know what just happened you know this thing just passed through me you know it's way bigger than me right now and i don't even know how how to feel about that
1: yeah it's a really it's it's definitely an interesting thing and and i i have a complex varied opinions on maybe the fate of synthwave or its ability because okay. i i think you're absolutely right culturally it's um it's gone through everything. You see music, it's really interesting in pop music what trends pick up. Uh but it's always it's only ever pieces of a thing. It's never an entire thing. I don't, you know, personally I don't ever see you know, unless an ollie ride or Nina or whoever um sort of break away from synthwave a little bit more and 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 trend towards more traditional pop music. I don't really ever see it like someone from the scene ascending to this huge thing and you see that the synthwave artists that have crossover appeal are not strictly synthwave you've you know you mentioned dance with the dead where they're mixing in more thrash metal and have a different way that they engage with their audience or um you know other artists like you know calm truth or whoever they're they're able to to break through a little bit more into the mainstream consciousness because they don't rely so heavily on the on the nostalgia and and the all the visual elements of it um but and i think also with when you talk about corporate america and the big major record companies they're not going to support something that they don't have more control over i guess you know like and so i don't necessarily see um synthwave artists fully breaking into being like a Sia or an Adele or those kinds of people because um it's a very it's still a very niche kind of thing not everyone gets what it is my my soon-to-be wife absolutely despises synthwave like she absolutely hates it you know yeah. <laughs> and I keep trying to you know and I explain to her you know and I, I go over all the things over and over and over again you know like the sense of community and the connection to this greater emotional impact. And she just, just does not care. And I think her, I think her mentality and her tastes really represent, I think a traditional person where they'll like elements of it. You know, there's certain elements Mm of, of eighties music that she'll like and tolerate, but she won't ever go full tilt, you know, synth wave. It's never going to happen. And so I, I think there is an end point to that. Um, but then again, I see it as being a very vibrant underground scene that has a lot of passion. And that's, a, and that's completely good and okay. There's a lot of um, runway for people to be successful and be professional musicians. You know, a lot of the people that you interviewed, that's what they do for a living. And that's a pretty amazing thing. And I think if your goal is to be able to do your art for a living and, and doing it in the way that you want, then that's... Then that's the dream, right there.
0: Yeah, I think people focus too much, you know, on this discussion about going or not going mainstream. It doesn't make any sense with when no. you are doing anything that's artistic. Your basic goal should be, at least, if you are in a certain age, like like I do, um, is to make a living of what you do. Yeah. that's the goal. That's, yeah, you know, that's to be sustainable. So going mainstream is not gonna solve anything. No, because if it if it ever does, which I don't think synthwave will ever be mainstream, because it it doesn't have the only artists that could go mainstream or could hit you know like a single super hit single that will sell a lot of uh, plays and be successful on radio, could be those who are. On the pop side of things, you know, who are very uh, with vocals and stuff like that. Something like the Midnight, for example, is very lovable for a you know for a mainstream audience. But the other, uh, there's so many things as you know, mainstream on on synthwave that uh, are not. Mainstream, beloved thing like outrun is never gonna be, you know, no. a mainstream thing. You know, it's music that you put on your on your car to ride, you know, at night. So yeah, it doesn't appeal to so many people. So having said that, mainstream in itself is not interesting. No, it's, making it's not. Making out of it. Yeah. So and I see a lot of these composers who were just when I started um interview them or even people who are. Who started like in MySpace, who are now um, professional musicians. Uh, that's 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 a real thing. Yeah, you know? that's that's a goal in itself, and it's very nice to see some of these guys, like um, the guy from TAD, uh, like, who makes the um, the soundtrack for Cobra Kai, for example. He's a guy who comes from Synwave. Yep. So, and you see that happening. So I, I think there's going to be like a shift for a lot of these composers who will naturally go into um, making soundtracks. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have told me that, you know, one yep. of my dreams is, you know, in the future is, 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 is do soundtracks because that's how they started yeah. because they have us, they have a true passion for old songs in movies they love from where they were kids, yeah, and that's where this all comes from, you know. Trying to recreate something that you were comfortable when you were a kid, and they do it through sounds, yeah. For example, myself, and others, um, I do it through films, you know. I try to recreate, I don't know, things from the late seventies or the eighties that I love. So that makes sense for me, if you know. And I think there's um there's a clear way of you know, people make a living out of it, and that should be good enough.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I I think, you know, pop culture is fleeting. It's interest, it's fickle. It's really, um, it's just sort of a drug, the next best thing, and then it moves on. And uh, I think composers in this um, genre are going after a very kind of consistent thing. And and those goals might be individual to that artist. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say everyone is going for the same thing, but I think with these artists that make them unique to themselves is that they have a particular feeling or emotion or uh, idea that they're trying to express pretty consistently. And if you don't have that right hi-hat noise or the saxophone or whatever it is for that six months, you're never going to break through. And, and that's not exclusively true. There are some pop artists who are trendsetters instead of ones that step into the trend. But that's extremely rare.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, pop culture these days, um, it's not like it used to be, you know. There, there used to be um, one mainstream you know, act that, that will be influential to everything after that. Like, I don't know. Let's think about, I don't know, Michael Jackson or Madonna. I think that's gone. There's so many mainstream things right now happening at the same time, like maybe smaller. But there's not one single thing. No. So yeah, one of the things that I think scene wave is very um, interesting is the permeability that that it has on trend settings. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that, and that, and I think that's gonna last for a for for yeah. a very long time.
1: Yeah, because like for me, uh, it's a. It's more than just a music. It's sort of a. I don't want to say way of life, but it's it's a, a mindset that I don't want to lose or not be a part of, and, so I think it's got a little bit more. Um, it it inherently I think will stick around longer it'll take it'll change it'll evolve it's going to look different obviously we already see that but you know like a punk movement is anti-establishment and so you're gonna inherently see a lot more anti-social non-communal behaviors in that particular um kind of scene whereas that's not what synth waves is about. It's about making connections, making an emotional connection and, and around nostalgia and, and other things. So I think people will always seek that and be it the eighties or the seventies or, you know, now the nineties, I think that's really, you know, cool. I think one of the next evolutions of the scene, because if you talk about like perturbator, um, I found him to be kind of half, half influenced, half influenced by the eighties and half influenced by cyberpunk nineties. And I've seen a lot of other artists now take a lot of those um aesthetics and um musical cues from the nineties now and incorporate it into their music. So, you know, it's it's changing and but I think the mindset will always be the same and, and you know, maybe the, the name will stick around, but that's hard to say.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. One of the things that's gonna happen is, you know, um, look up to the nineties and start looking into that in all kinds of things. You know, it's not just the music. It's going to be also filmmaking and stuff like that. So Synthwave is going to be part of that for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, you touched on something earlier uh, in the, the conversation when you were talking about how you initially got interested in the in, the, in Synthwave and, and what the film was. And you're talking about how, you know, it was big, but it was spread across the world. Um, And I think that hit on something that I've observed to be very true, which is um, all of these communities popping up around the world uh, where people started to pool together to create um, their own little local music communities. And I, and I feel like that is maybe the strongest way for the scene to, to, continue to gain steam and have um, permanence. Uh, What has been your view of it from the time that you started initially making it to where we're at now? What's your observations?
0: One of the key aspects of that whole community is that it's grassroots created from the start. It started on the internet, like you said, many small group of people who were into the 80s, and we started sharing, sharing their passion and music, and they start connected with others around the world. Then it started, they started to create, I don't know, a a club, uh, where they put in music in their city, and they started making more associations and more um, relationships. And now, I think it's very, very widespread around the world, much more than we think. It's still very small. People have this, sometimes I call this delusion of being, you know, super huge. And and, and it's not, it's not huge locally. It's huge, if you see it, you know, from a worldwide point of view, you know? Yeah. Then, Then you see how big it is. It's like a trend that is spread all over the world in very little communities. And that's why I think you all hit a good point. Is that that's one of the strengths of of, of Cinewave, is that it's people, it's, it's a community that is created through passions for for things, and, and and passion is a powerful feeling and a powerful thing, you know, to create relationships and 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 make it something that will. That is uh, right now. Um, I mean, it has been like ten years from the moment it started. So it's 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 not a, a you know a one trend that happened sometimes in the past. It's still happening right now. Yeah, people are coming in making new mu- music. One of the things that's so interesting about Sinti is that it's not like others' communities and music scenes where. People were making this music, then somehow it got some hit or mainstream media attention, and the people who were making it kind of, you know, ah, this is not cool anymore, I'm gonna do something else right now. And then eventually other generation came in, and by the force of things, they um, they they stopped doing it and do another thing. This is You know, this is—I don't know—in what generation we are of new people coming in and making you know retro things, Um, and that's really why I think it's sustainable. It's just new people coming in making music, whatever. That's a good or a bad thing. I don't care. This is what really uh, creates uh, this community and make it go forward. So yeah, I, I, I think that one of the keys of the Silver Community is is the community itself the relationships It's people who are passions passionate about all music and all films and Mm -hmm. that's very universal
1: yeah i think you you touched on something uh, i think is that has rung really true for me which is um we don't know the ages of of people coming in and, and i find that as I've interacted with the people in the community and and talk to people, they're young. They're really young. They're in their early twenties, yeah. and I think that's a beautiful thing because now we're going to get their interpretation, their version, now third hand of this decade, this scene, this feeling, you know, movies, that kind of thing, you know, because John Carpenter's movies exist forever that music exists forever and you know what's interesting to me is is that there's so much to appreciate and in I've always found it interesting what people appreciate about you know whatever it is you know music production or the equipment or because of the certain synths existed in this time or a way of filmmaking whatever it is you know people latch onto a, a thing and then they choose to digest it and then bring back out their version of that particular thing and and with newer uh people coming in that are younger it's always going to be interesting it's always going to be fresh it might not you know because i've heard this argument that like synthwave is dead i don't know if you've um heard that from people i've certainly talked to a lot of people that have been around forever and they go you know synthwave died in in 2015 or something like that you know basically after red rush records Mm -hmm. went away synthwave died and i and i don't necessarily think that's a very fair or accurate thing it's certainly changed and evolved um but it's still there's a lot of energy there there's a lot of output man i don't know about you i can't keep up with the record releases coming out for synthwave people and i and i would say by and large the quality is better than I, i think a lot of other kinds of Things it reminds me a little bit of the hip hop underground, a little bit, um, and so it's always fresh and interesting, and um, so yeah, that that was my point. Being that I, I think I have, you know, one last question for you, and okay. what okay. is, is there another story for you to tell in this scene? Is there is there anything? Is there another thing to explore? Because I think it's sort of bittersweet in a way that you made this film and it took so long to come out is there is there another thing to, to talk about in this scene is there other things you want to explore
0: to be honest no <clears throat> I think I um, I explored what I wanted to explore which is basically you know how this music is a time portal and a vehicle of emotions and why people are attached to it and that's basically was the goal to to make the film and recreate basically my feeling and a lot of the feeling that my friends had when you discovered this music is like this wow effect that it has on you. And I think that the film is about that, you know, and, and it's also a, a, a call to action to um, to artists people, you know, to make whatever you wanna make, don't listen to people who said, I don't know, this is dead or this is, this is cool, this is, do what you wanna do, you no? Know? These people did. It. You should do, you know. Whatever yeah. is good or bad, it's not up to you. Just put it out there and make other people. You are gonna basically gonna connect with someone on the other side of the world, whatever you want it or not, and that's beautiful. And you should maybe, you know, explore that. Maybe it will do good in your life. I don't know. So um, I think that I. Uh, I, I told what I wanted to tell, and that's that's basically <laughs> my. <laughs> there you my, go. Uh, that's fair. That's a valid yeah. answer.
1: Yeah. So you know, it's it's a document, and I think you know, um, I'm really happy that the film is released. I think it's really a, a beautiful document to this um, genre, this little microcosm of the world, if you will, and you know i think it's going to continue to pick up speed cuz you know what i tell people about your film is that if you don't know what synthwave is and you only have heard stranger things this is a a great documentary to start to see the tip of the iceberg of what is out there and what the scene is and really get an understanding of motivations and the feelings behind it i think you know i think you do a really good job of of getting to the heart of maybe what Synthwave is without necessarily directly saying it. You know, I think you've allowed a lot of the artists to really um, articulate themselves uh, about what drives them to make the music. So, you know, uh, I want to say thank you for making the movie. And, you know, I hope that people continue to pick it up and watch it. And, and, you know, I know that there's been a lot of positive response to it. I don't have anything else, Ivan. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for taking the time out uh, and and working through our seven-hour time difference.
0: To paradise, I care.